started with Lemonade Stand, then I became a DJ. I was DJing all the like local parties. Like you said, there was some money around, so um, those those payments were nice. And then same thing with sneakers. If I wanted a pair of shoes, I'd wait in line, I'd buy a pair of shoes, way. flip the second pair of shoes. Like it was always a hustle. I had a clothing line in high school with a friend of mine. When I went to college, that same teammate and I started an app in college. Like it was always like, what's my next hustle? What's going to be the next way to make money? I'm Tom Ward, and over the last couple years, I've had the chance to sit down with some of the biggest celebrities and influencers in the world. What I've always found most fascinating is the stories of the businesses that they've built behind the scenes. On this show, you'll get an inside look of what it takes to build a successful business from some of the biggest celebrities, business people, and up-and-coming entrepreneurs in the world. This is The Tom Ward Show. Welcome to The Tom Ward Show, where we talk to the biggest entrepreneurs in the world, get motivation, inspiration, and real tips on how to start or grow your business. I'm here with... Austin Mills, and I'm not even exactly sure what to call you because you're an entrepreneur, you're an NBA guy, you're a host, somehow you're a real estate guy. Am I missing anything? Yeah, I think Basketball so. player, uh, obviously? Yeah, basketball player, DJ, real estate agent, host, producer, uh, investor, advisor. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> enough. <we> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. I'm like, what do I do again? You know, I saw everybody go check out his Instagram. I saw your Instagram last night. I saw the picture of you and KD and, well, Kevin Durant, in case you're not a basketball <laughs> fan, in case we need to explain who KD, KD is to someone, but you were a basketball player, still are, you were a hoops-obsessed kid, your dad played, so you grew up with basketball. Could you ever imagine having relationships with real elite NBA players? Yeah, honestly, because I've been around basketball my whole life, I when I was growing up as a kid, my dad grew up around UCLA. And okay. so this was the time when Magic Johnson was with the Lakers. He was around UCLA. And my dad would just go to UCLA and hang around and be around the guys. And these guys would be playing pickup. And it just so happened that Magic used to do NBA games in the summer for some of the pros to come out and play. Okay. And over time, my dad somehow ended up running the games, like making the teams for the games. Oh, wow. And so this was before he had me. And then once I was born, his whole thing was like, I want to keep it for my son. And I became a basketball player. But when I was like five, six, seven, eight years old, he had the gym and the gym was Kobe uh, LeBron, I mean, like ev the biggest players in the world coming up and playing pickup. And my dad is like telling Kobe, like, Kobe, you're on this team. Like, Co Kobe's what? listening to my. So I used to be around these guys, like Paul Pierce, Kevin Gar Garnett. These are guys I remember. And so when I would see them around and I was with my dad, it was always, that's Adam and that's little Adam. So I created some sort of a relationship with these guys from a very early age. And even now, when they see me, they still say, it's little Adam. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's not odd to you. This was kind of like going to work with your dad. It right. just happens. Your dad's working with. Right. And and in the basketball world, it's like when you play AAU, you play with a lot of guys who end up playing in the NBA. Yep. I had those prior relationships there. So you're building these relationships as you go. And then a lot of my college teammates play in the NBA and they have friends that play in the NBA. So it's like you meet one guy, you meet another guy. You meet a, Now it's like you all of a sudden you know 150. 50 people on the yeah. it's it's wild it's it it's definitely beyond what i ever thought it was going to be but not like a full shock you know we were talking to before we wasted a little bit of a conversation out there austin so we're going to bring it back yeah, okay yeah. we don't waste anything here we were talking about kevin durant and rich kleinman rich kleinman's his business partner and he's involved in a ton of startups and investments and they've got boardroom and all these other things together and i interviewed rich a while ago and he was saying when you talk to an NBA player now, the last thing they want to do is talk about basketball. He said, where 20 years ago, if you talk to a basketball player, that's really all they could talk about because there was no other interest in their life, right? He said, now they don't want to, they want to talk about the startups they're invested in, this venture capital fund they started. Katie's a great example of that. Right. Is have you find that with the, this new crop of players? Yeah. So in the near future, I'll, I I already invest and advise for a handful of companies now from being in the influencer world. Okay. But there will be some sort of fun situation that I will be a part of in the near future that has kind of been being worked on for a while now because of all of this action that the athletes are in now. I mean. You're 100% right. They're also intrigued by startups and investing. And I mean, it's definitely the right approach because instead of just letting your money sit or putting it in some nonsense to partner up with someone who 
knows these businesses really well, knows that world really well, and allow that person to take control and grow your money has never happened before. And I think Katie is a perfect example because there is a chance, and this is crazy, don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% sure, but I do think that there is a chance that Kevin Durant could make more money outside of basketball than he will make playing basketball, which is a crazy statement also because he's probably made or will make... How much you think, yeah. At least half a billion dollars in his career playing basketball. And you think he could make more outside of it? I think there's a very good chance. He's in Uber, he's in a bunch of massive startups and is only continuing to invest in more. Now, do you get kind of, because the way things work behind the scenes is, I don't get invited to these things, right? But Kevin Durant, all people do is pitch him all day long. They don't pitch him. He has people that kind of weeds that stuff out. And they call it deal flow. Right. You know, how many deals do you have coming in? The more you have coming in, the more good ones there are, the more you pick, the more you make money. That's the theory, right? So do you get part of that? deal flow or that spillover almost by association? Do you Are you starting to see some of that in your yeah, life? Yeah, so I, I've, I get a lot of deal flow, actually a lot of pitches all the time. I think especially because people know I'm already in that world, but also obviously because of the re- relationships. Everyone wants athletes included in their company. And now the new thing is like, they expect an athlete to come in to invest in their company. And that also means that they should be marketing whatever that product is as well. So they're putting money in and they're like, hey, throw this post up. Like, It makes them feel like they're more involved. Um, it's kind of a win-win for both parties. 100%. So yes, I do get a lot of deal flow. I do see a lot of deals. Um, but it is very important to have someone like a Rich or someone who knows that world very well, all the ins and outs to be able to sift through and kind of pick the good ones versus the bad ones. Do you have a partner? Do you have somebody, like a business guy that you yeah, partner so, with? Yeah, uh, so my teammate from college actually ended up starting a massive company that just raised $30 million. Their, their numbers are absolutely insane. The company's valued at a couple hundred million dollars. So, Can you give him a shout out? What's the company? Uh, it's called Luxury Presence. Uh, his name's Multi Kramer. Absolutely crushing it. Okay. Um, which you should potentially have him on also. Calm down. They're, what they do is insane. Their numbers are insane. And... He's extremely smart, and hopefully one day he will be one of my business partners. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you were entrepreneurial at a young age, and you grew up in L.A. You're from the West Side, you yep. know, affluent area. Your mom's six, six successful yeah. real estate agent, so you didn't grow up poor. You right. grew up with stuff. But you were entrepreneurial, and you were <laughs> we were talking about sneakers before. You were buying and selling sneakers in high school. Yeah. Like in making money, yeah. and that was actual business for yeah. you was that like your first venture so i have to give a lot of credit to my parents because it was always like about the hustle it was never like i'm gonna get this for you here's this for you i was doing like lemonade stands as a kid it was always like what's your hustle gonna be how are you gonna make money when i was a kid actually i grew up in west hollywood not in a huge house our house was you know we weren't poor but we sure. weren't wealthy yeah um and my you know my mom was door knocking when she first became a real estate agent and my dad was hustling to like build homes when he was you know you got to start at the bottom and then work your way up so i saw both of them hustle over time and grow their business which obviously inspired me and i don't necessarily want to be in real estate that's not necessarily <laughs> my forte but i want to be able to become successful in my own right in my own things um, so yeah, started with Lemonade Stand, then I became a DJ, I was DJing all the like local parties. Like you said, there was some money around, so um, those, those payments were nice. And then same thing with sneakers, if I wanted a pair of shoes, I'd wait in line, I'd buy a pair of shoes, way. flip the second pair of shoes. Like It was always a hustle. I had a clothing line in high school with a friend of mine. When I went to college, that same teammate and I started an app in college. Like It was always like, what's my next hustle? What's going to be the next way to make money? Now. I knew, I grew up with some kids with some money. I, my parents had have kind of just upper middle class, just normal people. But a lot of them fell in the trap of doing nothing. Yeah. Now, did you see that kind of growing up? Especially, you went to, did you go to Beverly Hills yeah, High? Is that where you went? Yeah, yeah. Okay, a lot of money. You'll see yeah. Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff in the parking lot. I mean, it's a sick amount of wealth you'll yeah. see kind of there. And a lot of those kids never do anything because why? Right. Especially if they have trust funds. A lot of these kids right. have trust funds and, you know, it, a reality is that you watching this and me can, can't even wrap our heads around is a lot of these kids will get a check for 50 grand on the first of the month every single month. Yeah. Forever. Right. And it'll just go up as they get older. So why bother? Now, you kind of looking at that, what was your impression of that world? Yeah. So 
I mean, I went to Beverly High and Beverly High was actually a decent middle ground compared to what was around us. The private okay. schools is really what was like. Oh, I guess. The yeah. Super wealth, uh, like billionaire kids. We had a pretty good mixture. I mean, they brought kids in from other areas and oh, okay. it, we had a good mixture. Definitely had wealthy kids. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one thing that my parents always told me, always reminded me was to keep your mind busy and to stay busy. And I think that's what basketball did for me the most was I was always the underdog in basketball. I was always smaller, slower. Like I always had a disadvantage, Mm -hmm. but I always wanted to prove people wrong. And the only way to make it to that next level was to just work my ass off. Mm -hmm. And so that meant no partying, no drinking, none of that stuff in high school. It was all focus, all basketball to the point where like my girlfriend would be like, yo, it's enough. Like, I, Let's had, watch a I movie. didn't have a great balance yeah. in, in high school. It was all basketball. But I think that mentality carried over into everything else for me. And that's why I'm so like, I, I wear so many different hats and try to do so many things and try to hustle on so many different aspects because I'm like, I keep, constantly want to keep that, that attitude. And to those kids that don't do anything and sit back, they'll never be happy because you have to be able to earn it and you'll never understand the value of the dollar or the value of success or the value of hard work if you've never done it. And there's no identity. Right. You know, there's no personal self, you know, self-worth because, I mean, you can get as high as you can get, but you'll never, the voice will always be there that you ain't shit. Look at what your dad did. What did you do today? That voice is always there. You can drown him out in whatever you want, but it's always there, and the older you get, the less of a chance you have to kind of get out of that. And that's part of the reason why my mom is now the number one real estate agent in the world. I mean, she's incredible. She's That's unreal. She's an animal. She works nonstop, 24-7. I mean, taking calls at night, waking up at 6 a.m. Like, she's an absolute animal. And my dad's the same way. And it's amazing that they've done that for themselves in real estate. And I do... I, I saw you a little bit. I saw you with some like ridiculous listings on your Instagram, like some seventeen million yeah. dollar house yeah. or something insane. We have one hundred and twenty-seven million. My mom and I have a listing that's one hundred twenty-seven. But but like for example, like that's a perfect example. Yeah. My mom will try to give me listings because she has so many. She's like, please help oh, okay. me take yeah. some off my plate. But sure. I, I don't want them because. A, I don't want her to hand me things, and B, that's not what I ultimately want to do. So yeah. if I bring a listing to her. Yeah. And we do it together. It's a different story because I'm bringing it. Yeah. And so like that, our big listing is one of my childhood friends that I've grew up with, have an amazing relationship with, DJing his wedding in December. Like we just have an an incredible relationship and it makes sense because my mom is the best in the world and I can provide her this listing and we can do it together. I can do all, you know, some of the work for her, but she can ultimately be the best person for them. You wear so many different hats. Uh, I do a lot of homework for these things and I was wondering... What's his main source of income? What is it? You've got so many different... I mean, I think the beauty of you and a lesson for people watching is multiple revenue streams right. is a beautiful thing. 100%. So, and you have several. Yeah. So multiple revenue streams allows me to ultimately pursue what I want to do the most, which is hosting and producing. Because in the entertainment world, it is a grind from the bottom to be able to work your way up to the top and to get to that point where you're getting paid a lot of money. For sure. A lot of the platforms in the beginning were like, hey, we're giving you an opportunity, so here's, you know, here's 50 bucks, not actually, but you know, here's nothing, we're giving you a platform. Of course. And so that's another nice thing about real estate is if I do a deal with my mom, it does give me cushion to be able to go out and spend time not making money on the other projects or putting money towards, you know, I will create pilots for projects that I want to do. Like I'll create a pilot, shop it to Hulu's, Netflix. Your own money, you know, all my own money, yeah, all filming it, production, all paying for production, all paying for talent. And that's whatever. not cheap. It's not cheap. It's no. not cheap. You're looking five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a project. Yeah. So in order for me to be able to afford those things, I have to find other ways to make money and able to put it towards that. Yeah. If we go back to your to your basketball career, I mean, I love an underdog and, you know, it's easy to kind of look at like how we started the interview and you go, ah, oh, some rich kid, you know, his mom's successful, you know, he's just dabbling in real estate and just hanging out all day. Right. But that's not the case at all. And you mentioned kind of you were always you were always kind of the underdog in basketball too. You weren't the fastest guy. You weren't the tallest guy. You were slow, whatever, all these things kind of against you. 
you really excelled at the high school level and your goal was to play in an elite college, but there was a problem, grades. And that was the first thing that kind of prevented you from doing really what you wanted. Right. Were you so focused on hoops that that, that was secondary? Or what happened? Yeah, there? I mean, I was always like, like the grades weren't horrible, but the places okay. that the grades would have put me were like the Ivy Leagues. And those were the schools that were on me the hardest. Those were like the, you know, the, I had every Ivy League out of high school except for Harvard and Penn. Wow. And every school was the same thing when they saw my grades. There's nothing we can yes. do about this. I, I had a two six two eight in high yeah. school, and it was like, we can't. There's nothing we can do. And no. I ended up playing at Pepperdine, and Pepperdine, like, they were like, you have no idea. We were this close to not being able to get you in. Yeah. I actually took the ACT and did well in the ACT, which is what got me into the school. Okay. I never like to look back and say, you know, have any regret and say, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. But it would have been interesting to have those grades. Um, but yes, 100%, I was putting everything towards basketball. I did not think that academics would affect me at all. I thought no matter what, no matter what grades I had, basketball get me there. Me. Yeah. I mean, I, I was averaging 27 and 7 my senior year. Yeah. I wow. Were you a point guard? Killing yeah, point guard. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, you couldn't tell me anything. I was of like, course. Basketball's going to just take me anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing kind of happened when I was at Pepperdine. Pepperdine was a little bit different because we were on the road a lot and school was really tough. So it was hard to maintain grades there. Not an easy school. Teachers don't really help you. It wasn't like they weren't trying to help you excel as an athlete. I had a 2-6 there when I went to transfer out of Pepperdine. That was consistent. Right. 2-6 right. in high school, 2-6 in college. Yeah. Right. right. I just hated I deliver. school. I hated school always. <laughs> but when I went to transfer, I had pen on me and it was the same thing. Couldn't get in. It was oh. like, yeah. But... I don't like to have any regrets. Everything happens for a reason. I'm yeah. very happy to be where I am today. So when were you, when did you start shooting? In the beginning, it was trick shot videos, right? Yeah. yeah. Was that always like, especially like, were you dangerous to play horse against? Not even, not really. I think it was just because of the practice. Like yeah. my dad and I always practiced shooting from really far since I was a little kid, just mm -hmm. for basketball's sake. Yeah. And I had my friends come visit me when I was a senior, when I wasn't playing as much. And we just made a video and, I posted it and it went kind of crazy. Posted another one, went crazy again. Posted Were you another on one. TikTok or Instagram? And it was no TikTok. At oh, the time. This okay, was gotcha. Six, seven years ago. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. So it was just Instagram, and there were no influencers. Like there wasn't a thing. It wasn't no a business. Such thing as an influencer. Yeah, no, it wasn't a business. There were no brands, which is the craziest part. And so the NBA DM'd me in this process, and I'm like, what is going on? How what soon? Who, how soon from when you start to the NBA in your DMs? It was probably like three months. And at the time, you're still playing a Baylor. Still playing a Baylor. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. studying when you want. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Not studying as much as I should have. Yeah. Sure. Uh, went to the NCAA tournament, lost the first round of the NCAA tournament, just was trying to figure my life out and got a DM from the NBA. And I was like, this is meant to be. Yeah. And what did they want you to do? Why were they reaching out? So MV NBA was, this was, you know, people were starting to catch on to content creators. Mm -hmm. And so they were starting their content creator kind of program. It was me, Dev in the Lab, and Lethal Shooter were like the first three content creators to ever be with the NBA. And we got there and we went through the NBA Combine and interview players. And for us, the three of us were wow. looking at each other like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? Did you get a chance to play with them too or no? Uh, you were more just... We were like, we did the Combine with some of the guys, but not any actual play. Now, as a guy who probably was the best guy on your high school team, is going to an elite college, right? What's the difference between a guy like you and when you're in the combine with a real legit NBA player? Like, what's the difference? Yeah, the biggest thing is that it, I, the it, biggest thing that I saw in college in the pros is the jump of athleticism and size. I mean, it is these guys are incredible athletes, mm -hmm. like beyond what you can believe. I mean, we had at Baylor one of my teammates was on the cusp of being an NBA player and decided not to play in the NBA and went and played for the Cowboys and hadn't played football all of college. Okay. So it just goes wow. to show you how incredible these athletes were and how quickly they developed. And that was the really the biggest thing for me of why I couldn't take that next step is I just didn't have that athleticism that the okay. rest of them had. Yeah. You couldn't tell me, I was the best shooter in the country. <laughs> you couldn't tell me otherwise. Yeah, There's yeah. no one that would get in that gym and yeah, shoot me. And that's sure. just simply because of the time that I put in in that gym. Yeah. And as, no if you're a shooter, me. you need that confidence. Because when you're 0-6, you got to pull like the three, like you just 100%. made the last three threes. You can't think about the last shot. Every shot has to be next shot. Death next and shot. all those guys have the same mentality exactly. you really have to have that yeah. don't you 100 that's why some games clay will go two for eight and the next yeah. game he'll go nine for 12 
it's next play mentality, can't think about the last shot. Half of it is confidence. Yeah. So you're kind of there. You're probably, I guess not starstruck because you kind of grew up in this and stuff. But were you done Baylor at the time? Uh, I was I was graduating Baylor. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was that was like my last year. It was like go try and play overseas in some random country away from my family, away from my friends, away yeah. from everyone, or take this opportunity with the NBA. So to me, it was it just made sense. Now I read a story, and we were talking before. I read a story about something that actually didn't happen. So tell me if this happened or not. There's a lot of fake stories out there, but the story was. You went and you you got a deal to play in Spain, I believe, right? Oh, that's not true. Mm-mm. Oh, okay, it was a shitty article. No. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I read an article that you there's were... also like there have been a there are a couple Austin Mills out there now. Well, there's the which is I, so strange. The to TikTok me. guy, the TikTok DJ. I see his music up on every video. He's oh, crushing. He's crushing it. He's doing very well. Shout out to the other Austin Mills with a Z. <laughs> yeah. He made sounds on TikTok, and Kylie Jenner used his sound, which just blew him up. Oh, wow, I didn't and know And so that. now his sounds are all viral. There's another Austin Mills who's also a YouTube basketball player. Okay. Which is like, I, was, I do YouTube. I'm a DJ. I have two Austin Mills on both sides. It's so you weird. You know what? Maybe it was about the other Austin it's Mills. It's very possible. There's another Austin There's Mills another YouTube Austin Mills basketball YouTube. player? Yes. It's what are the so, odds? It is so weird. It is so strange. Wow. Yeah. And we've all connected at some point. I've talked to the That's YouTube funny. one at one point, and the DJ came up to me at a 2K event a couple years ago and was like, yo, everyone confuses us. That's too <laughs> So you have dreads and I don't. <laughs> but you're a DJ too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> so you're done Baylor. You're doing this thing. As you said before, these, what you guys will find too, if you get out there, cool jobs don't pay a lot of money. Right. Because there's a line of a thousand people who do the same job. Right probably at the same level or close for free. Right. So they don't have to pay a lot for these right. cool jobs. So I guess, I'm guessing you're not, you know, financially very successful doing this MBA no. thing. What are you doing? So this is when, at, the, at this point, is when brand deals were like the biggest for me. Okay. Um, and, and one thing I realized early, and this is kind of how the production aspect has really come forward for me, is... A lot of people were getting brand deals and I had a solid following as people were starting to grow, but not as big as other influencers that I saw that were getting the same brand deals that I was. But what I realized was people weren't putting much effort into their brand deals. And so they would turn the camera around and say, hey, here's this product. Here's this discount code, whatever. What I thought of was, why don't I go out and make a really good product? So instead of just me using this, they can use it on their side as well. So instead of them going out and spending half a million dollars on some massive production and creating some high-end commercial, I'll create the high-end commercial with the talented kids that I know that are around me. And there was a good, there was a really good period, and I still get brand deals, but there was a really good period where brand deals were nuts for me. I mean, the income on brand deals was crazy for me. And a lot of people bash influencers, but a lot of work goes into like, planning, production, content, getting the products. There was a lot of time and concepts that went into that planning. And I really created this this niche for myself where big brands would come to me and pay me a lot of money to create branded content for them. You know, I think it's such a good lesson in doing more than you're supposed to, more than you're paid to adding value. Because a lot of the reason I get big guests sometimes and it's not because they like me and they like my bald head. I add value too, right? I'll write a nice Forbes article about them, but also I'll get them content. Right. Everybody wants more content. 100%. I, you so, never know what clip I can use from this. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you clips. Here's and it's my, high quality. It's high, we got 4K cameras right. going. We got yeah. good lighting. We're in a professional right. studio. Right. So I can also offer them that too. Hey, right. I wanna sh- I'm going to show you in a good light. And hey, by the way, whatever you want, I'll give you clips and I'll adjust the size for Instagram, TikTok, whatever you 100%. want. Same thing like you did with the brand deals is I'm going to take a different approach and take it more professionally than the one taking the bang energy drink deal. And this is, I, even when I walked in, I told you, I said, I was impressed by how nice the studio, how nice the equipment. And I'm the first person to, to recognize it because you've done these it. are the things that I pay attention to. I'm like, yeah. you, it is so important to invest the money back into the product or back into whatever that might be that you're focused on because in the long run, it's 100% worth it. And that's still what I'm doing to this day. That's why I'm investing in companies. That's why I told you I bought a network of Instagram pages. I'm 
Money sitting in your bank account is doing nothing. Especially with inflation and high... Nothing. And yeah. if it's sitting in your bank account and it's just stacking up, you're kind of comfortable. Yeah. And being comfortable, in my opinion, is like the worst thing to do. And if you can put money towards businesses or towards your own businesses in order for that to grow, in my opinion, in the long run, it'll all pay off. Yeah. I've been interviewed very successful entrepreneurs and they do the same thing too. They make some money, it's back in the business. Right. It's investing in this and it's investing in that. Where a lot of people probably less successful people would go, okay, cha-ching, ring in the cash register, right. I'll take this out, I'll keep taking out right. without reinvesting it, and where are they at in five years? Right. Probably nowhere. And listen, there's a million different ways you can do it. Some people oh, do 100%. it back in the business, some people do it into property. If you're living yeah. in big cities, investing your, your money into real estate is not the worst concept. No. But if you're focused on your business and growing your business, I think it's the number one thing you have to do. You listen to anyone who has a massive business, all they're doing is putting the money back into the business. 100%. Yeah. So at this time, your mom and dad, successful entrepreneurs, what do they think of their kid getting Instagram brand deals? It's not a thing. It's not a career. It's probably something that they can't really brag to their friends about because their friends won't even know what the hell right. you're up to. It was very hard to explain to my grandpa <laughs> what Instagram brand deals were. And yeah. I think still to this day, he doesn't fully get it. No. But he knows that I have my own show on E. He knows that I worked with them. Yet he knows all those things. Yeah. He's 101 now. Oh yeah. my God. He's insane. And still this, sharp? Still, still with sharp. it? Calls wow. me. We'll talk about, you know, I'm like, Grandpa, I got an e-show. He's like, well, are you protected? Are you, you know, how much did you ask for? He's like, he's, because he used to be a manager, a music manager. Oh, okay. So he's on it. He asked me to to see all the, like, links. He he wants to see everything. But um, I think my mom in the beginning was a little upset. And I think still to this day, she wants me to be in real estate. She would love for all of her kids to, like, take over the business. Of course. I think that's ideal for her. But I think she's gotten to the point where she knows now that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, you know, they were always supportive though. Always fully supportive of everything I was doing, which I think also allowed me to excel. You know, and I'm a parent, I've got two daughters and I get where she's coming from. You always want your kids to kind of take over from what you've built. But I bet in the back of her mind too, she's going, you know what, look at that kid. He didn't take the easy way out. The easy way out would be, this is a proven business. You know, I've built it over time. I have the formula. I can show him, I did it. I knocked on doors and look where I'm at now. I can show him, these are the steps you take. This is what you do to get there. That's a proven industry, right? He said no to that. Kind of went over here in an emerging business that wasn't even in a business yet, right? Now the person watching this goes, of course Instagram's paying you a lot of money. Of course you can get brand deals on TikTok. Of course that's a career. There's courses on that. There's influencer camps kids can go on to learn how to edit and shoot videos and what time of day is the best time to post and all this other stuff. But at the time, you were really kind of taking a risk. Did you... When your friends from Baylor, who it's a good school, are getting traditional jobs and steady good paychecks and getting promotions, did you ever look at them and go, man, should I have went that route? Not really, honestly. I mean, Baylor was a little bit different for me. Mainly my friends at Baylor were the the basketball players. So they were going and playing. But it was like my home friends that when I came back, because I moved back to L.A. after, um, it was mainly my home friends that were getting some sturdy jobs. But honestly, for the most part, most kids that I grew up with that were in my class are doing entrepreneurial things. Wow. One of my best, best friends in the world since second grade, one of my closest friends in the world started a clothing line called Mad Happy. And they are, I know Mad Happy. Mad yeah. Happy is crushing it. Oh, and yeah. what he actually did right after college was go work in a finance job and then realized I need to, you know, I need to build a brand. Um, and so it's actually a couple of my friends, one of my best friends from middle school, one of my best friends from second grade came together and created this brand and now they're crushing it. Another friend, like just a lot of my group of friends that I grew up with are yeah. all doing things in the startup space. One of my other friends started a tutoring company that's doing like 50 million in revenue a year. They're crushing. Wow. They're going to get acquired in the next couple of years. Like everyone kind of around me was in that same mindset, mm-hmm. which I think really helped. And I think... A big thing from my parents that always helped me was that my dad's biggest thing with me was as long as I see you busy and working and not sitting on your ass, you can do whatever you want. I don't care if you're making money or not. As long as you're working and trying and attempting, that's all I care about. How important is having, it's kind of 
weird it worked out that way. It wasn't your attention in second grade going, this kid's got an entrepreneurial streak in him. I think I should network with him, right? You're, you're kids, you become friends, right? But as you get older, how important is it to, to the circle you surround yourself with? Because of the things that I do, I think that 95% of what I do is all about networking and, and who you know, um, and, and honestly having real friendships. What I found as I moved back from college, I was working in nightlife. I was like in the clubs and, and making friends and this friend's doing that and that friend's doing that and everyone can help each other. And I think that that is one of the most important things in my world today, especially knowing athletes and entrepreneurs and people in tech and venture and that whole world. Everyone can help each other and there's enough to go around for everyone. And I think that that is, my, my girlfriend always gives me crap because I'm always going to dinners and events. And, but it is so important because you just never know where it can take you. And mm -hmm. honestly, the smallest little introduction or the smallest little hello or the smallest dinner, lunch, whatever it may be, could take you to a whole nother level. 100%, it was funny. We were talking before when we connected on Instagram. Uh, I was surprised you knew who I was and you go, yeah, I saw you at Dixie D'Amelio's uh, record release party. Yeah. First of all, if you're watching this, I'm not a Hollywood guy. <laughs> I don't go anywhere ever. But when the D'Amelio's invite you somewhere, when Dixie sends you a message right. personally, invite you, wow. you go, 100%. right? I, I'm probably the only 44 year old bald guy <laughs> that she sent a message to. So I listen, I show up, right? You and Greg. Yeah, me and Greg, that's what we hung. Me, Greg and Mark were like the old guys hanging in the corner, right? And and you said, yeah, I saw you there. And just by being in an event like that, they are important because I got to see people I haven't seen in a while. I, you know, I started out interviewing influencers, so I knew all these people and it was good catching up and forming relationships and then meeting Greg, who I didn't know, but right. that's always a good contact to make. But you're right. I And I think you have the right attitude. And I don't think a lot of people, especially in LA, have the same attitude. They don't have the attitude that there's enough to go around or we can work together and both win. It's like, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm not sharing shit with you because I, I want it and you're not taking it. And I may even kind of push you down. Not only am I not bringing you up, I may you know, give you a couple shots to keep you down too. You've got the opposite thing. Why is that better? Why does that work where the other guys are short-sighted? I think, again, going back to my childhood, I think something that my mom always taught me growing up that really helped her in her world is she's like, you never know where you're going to go or who, who you're going to meet. Aside from business, you never know whose day you're going to make just by saying hello. You never know who knows you. You never know who's in a bad mood. Someone who might, you know, I, I saw some stories in the past of people that were like, you know, on the way to like commit suicide or something and someone made a friendly gesture to like help them with their books or something. I read a, a crazy story and they didn't end up committing suicide and they ended up just because that one person like made a small gesture. And so it's not always about business and work, but my mom always taught me to just be nice to people, say hi to people, introduce yourself to people. And I've always kept that in mind. And honestly, you can never, never have too many friends. And it's not something where it's like always business for me, but I have real relationships with people and I honestly really cherish that. And whether I go to the beach one day or I go to lunch one day, I'll text friends or people that, you know, I've connected with recently or met or whatever and maintain those relationships and friendships. That's cool. Yeah. What was the first real business you started? So you had a lot of these kind of side things and, but what was the first, you're doing the NBA thing. When did, I'm going to start something real. Yeah, that's tough. When did that come uh, about? Do you remember what the first one was? I mean, going back, like the DJing was really good back in when I did it back in the day. Um, I mean, we were that's doing big money. We were doing two, three parties a weekend at like a thousand bucks a party for a couple hours. How old were you? Seventh grade, thir 12, 13 years old. Yeah, I mean, we, I started off less than that. I started yeah, off at yeah, 150 of bucks an hour, 250 bucks an hour, and kind of built up. But that's I, real money for a seventh grader. It was real money. It yeah. was real money. And then I parlayed that into the clothing line. And, you know, we were selling T-shirts out of our trunk in college. And then that's where I got the money to build the app with my teammate. Um, it all just has kind of, like, built on each other. And I think... You know, the, just my personal brand, once I got out of college and got on camera and started getting brand deals and building my actual personal brand, yeah. I think allowed me to become a host and now become a producer and, and, and build shows and, and have that bigger vision of Ryan Seacrest and Ellen DeGeneres of, of not just um, 
being an on-camera host, but actually producing real shows and having a big impact. What, you know, what is the Austin Mills brand? Was it well thought out or something just happened organically? Like in your mind, you know, as an outsider, I have a, you know, opinion on what your brand is, right? But how do you see it and what do you want it to be? So since I was a kid, I was always a big fan of, of hosting. It was always... James Corden, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Michael Strahan, Ryan Seacrest, Ellen DeGeneres, those were always people that I idolized and watched. Yeah. Um, like Good Morning America and <laughs> Live with Regis and Kelly. These were always things that I loved. For no kidding. No kidding. No kids are watching those shows. I was watching The Price is Right when I was 10 years old. That's what my in-laws, who are 60 years old, they Definitely. don't miss an episode. What Definitely. are you doing wasting your time watching these shows? I have just always... Were you a shut-in? The concept of like entertaining people yeah. has always been something that I've enjoyed. And okay. I don't love using this comparison because she hasn't gotten the best rap over the years, but I would say on-camera Ellen DeGeneres is yeah. probably the number one example of who I would like to be in front of the camera. Sure because of the fact that she gets to entertain people by interviewing celebrities, but also is able to give back to people in need. And I honestly, that content is my favorite content. Yeah. And that is going to be one of my next projects that I'm working on is creating that content where we're able to give back to people that need it without, you know, I can't come out of pocket for, for of everyone that needs it, but yeah. by pr- providing an actual entertaining show where we can raise money from a company and bring them in and give back to people is the number one thing for me. Wow. Do you have any idea what that's going to look like? Or can you tease it a little uh, bit? Like it's, you know, just along the lines of, of bringing together celebrities and giving back to people. Okay. Do you have yeah. a certain group you are passionate about and want to target? Um, no, it's more honestly individuals. I okay. think just people struggling in life who need to pick me up, who are struggling financially, who I honestly think that it's the smallest things that make a huge difference. And it's not always monetarily. Sometimes it's just, you know, someone out there in need that meets their favorite celebrity that inspires them to become better, to mm-hmm. get up, to go do what they want to do. When you were, especially as a content creator, this is something that you know, all of us struggle with too, is you work so hard on a piece of content and it bombs, Yeah. <laughs> right? And I, we were talking about Gary Vaynerchuk before too. He had, a, he had a great quote. He was saying, I interviewed him, he said, dude, I was doing Wine Library TV for two years That's and no one gave a because I was losing money at it. I was investing it. No one was watching. No one cared, right? He goes, I was actually losing money at my dad's wine business, right? So I'm getting negativity everywhere. He goes, but what kept me going were those little comments. Every DM, every comment encouraging me, keep going, we love what you're doing, fueled him. Is that as a content creator? Because, you know, we're talking about business and all these other things, but you're a content creator at heart, and it sounds like that's what you want to continue right. to do, except for a wider, more mainstream audience. Right. Is does that what needs the fuel to fire to be a real good content creator? Absolutely. the The smallest things make a huge difference to me when people encourage it. Or we did an episode with Jason Derulo uh, for the car show, for the e car show, and totally random in the mm-hmm. middle of the show, the middle of the episode, Jason Derulo stops and goes. What do you want to do? And I was like, you know, the TV hosting, what, what, what we're doing now and excelling, becoming Ryan Seacrest, becoming Ella DeGeneres. He goes, you're really good at what you do. He's like, you're naturally re- really good at this and, and like you have to keep chasing this. And I, I stopped in that moment and I look at the camera and I'm like, I need that clip. Like I need that clip forever. <laughs> yeah. That, having someone on that scale, you know, having your mom tell you is great. That obviously helps you. But cares? having someone yeah. on that scale, one of the biggest pop stars in the world, stop the interview in the middle of the interview and tell you that. It's so true. Is like something that just proves that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It kind of also lets you know you're on the right path because right. validation from somebody at a high level means a lot more than your mom saying, great video, it's like you're my mom, and you're he's supposed been, to say he's that. he's been interviewed by how many people? Like, yeah, I, I, done it a million I times. I found out he's told them, but <laughs> I highly doubt he's stopping and telling other people that. Like, I, I just yeah. don't think the odds of that are very high. Um, but that is, I mean, there are struggles that I have for sure going through all these things. And, mm-hmm. and one of the struggles I'm having right now is I've built this great basketball community 
and they're amazing. I appreciate everyone that's come along for the basketball ride, and I still have a great passion for basketball, but I also have a passion for pop culture and giving back and, and you know, like the rest of the world. So I'm struggling a little bit now on social to find that transition from basketball content to like, what's that content that's also gonna resonate with people and do, and do numbers and reach people? Because I do post content now that's not basketball that'll get way, a, you know, a tenth of the views that the basketball stuff is getting. So yep. I'm still trying to figure out what that right transition is gonna be on directly on social. Yep. Because I'm able to do it on other parts of the content, but directly on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, what's going to be that transformation that I can be able to, to kind of cover it all? You know, it's funny. I'm going through the same exact thing. I started out interviewing influencers, and that's guaranteed views. Right. You know, you sit down with Charlie D'Amelio. Right. It's going to give views no matter how many. Yeah, you could be asleep during the interview, and you know, people are going to watch. I switched to entrepreneurship. No one gives a. Right, the videos are bombing. Which is not true, by the way. That's I know that's not, not true. That's not true. I'm exaggerating. You do care. You just have to hit your stride. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it is tough because the, you know, the followers are following me. Go, I followed you because you, yeah, for yeah. Dixie. I don't care about this entrepreneur. Right. You just, you know, right. so unfollow. Right. It's very, very. It's tricky. hard to make a transition. Do you have any advice for me and other people trying to make transitions? <sighs> I think testing the market is is one of the biggest things you can do, which you're doing, yeah. and I do think you have to stay consistent with it because it does take people a minute to catch on to it. I mean, even yep. the show I'm doing with E right now, it's taking people a minute to catch on to, it's a new show on E, it's a car show. People just have to get used to new concepts. You're, it's people not basketball. Right. Are people uncomfortable with that? Yeah. I posted, it's so crazy. The biggest video I've ever posted on my Instagram, yeah. I posted this summer with my girlfriend, had nothing to do with basketball. What was it? We were like on an airplane. Okay. And she's sitting next to me and I said something like, Let's let's uh, let's join the Mile High Club, and I like turned it to her, but I zoomed in on a girl that was in the back, <laughs> and like my girlfriend's face like, said it all. But it went nuts. Like yeah. I think it's like 28 million views on Instagram now, and wow. like three and a half million views on TikTok. Like it went bananas. Wow. And I'm sitting there like I've spent all this damn time on making basketball videos putting my body on the line, yeah. getting a videographer, driving these places to make basketball videos. I'd make this one stupid Dumb video, video. It's the most viral video I've ever had. Yeah. I actually just made another one with her last night that I think is the next, that's the next big viral one with her. But all right, that's kind of got my wheels turning a little bit and like, okay, can I start to transition now? A lot of the comments were hate, honestly, because it was like, <laughs> what kind of asshole. boyfriend are you? What a, yeah, what a she's a good sport and okay. she's incredible with that stuff, but a lot of people with no sense of humor. <laughs> well. I think it there's confidence in being able to switch genres because you look at the big people who've done it successfully. Look at the Paul brothers, for God's sakes. You, you know, know, I interviewed Jake was about the first influencer. I didn't even know what a YouTuber was at really? the time. This is five years ago. I'm an old guy. I didn't know who the hell Jake Paul was. Wow. Some PR guy pitched me and I, I look around and I go, who's this kid with 20 million followers I've never even heard of? I didn't even know this world existed. So I sit down with him. He was a kid on a stupid Nickelodeon show at the time making silly videos with his brother and his Team 10 crew. And you look at him now, five years later, and he's a professional boxer. You look at Logan, who's filming, you know, Suicide Forest in Japan and all the country in the controversy in the world. Now he's got a really intelligent podcast. Shout out to Impulsive. Killing it. I think they do an outstanding job. Those two job. brothers, no one's ever done it like them. No. no one ever. They're the number one. I mean, Mr. Beast isn't is in he's a another thing. different world. Yeah, yeah. But content creator-wise, influencer-wise, LA-wise, what they've done and been, been able to kind of change people's minds because people used to hate them. Yes. And now I think people are but, starting to come around no, and but comments on social. and People still hate Jake. Yes. Yeah, but, but that's great because he's playing that villain right. role, which by the way, Floyd Mayweather made a ton of money being the villain. Right. It's not a bad role to play. Two he actually, knows what he's doing. Two actually funny stories because being a content creator in LA, I've actually crossed paths with, with both of them just organically. When I moved back from college and was doing all the trick shot stuff, I was in LA mm -hmm. and I don't know how it happened. I can't remember if we emailed or they emailed, but we had contact with Team 10 of potentially like being in the Team 10 house. Wow. Um, 
I was with the NBA and they were kind of doing different content at the time, so it didn't really make sense for us to, to actually work together. Um, and then I was in one of Logan's vlogs. Oh, no way. Um, he did one where he like pretended to kill himself and like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I was asked to be in the video, but was in one of Logan's videos. And also it's just crazy how all those worlds kind of collide and yeah. tie into each other. Do they do... People like that give you inspiration because you're like, or even take the look at the D'Amelios for, uh, you know, going from girls who are just dancing, you know, like she's a cute dancer, relatable girl, to now Hulu shows and creating brands. And now it seems almost the norm to transition from, I started out doing this kind of content, right. I'm really interested in this. And I'm gonna lose some of you, but I'm gonna bring the rest of you along right. for the ride with me. Well, there, I mean, a lot, a lot of it, especially me and the Demelios and Jake and Logan, everyone starts at a young age. And so there has to be growth. I mean, you can't continue to do the same stuff forever because it gets stale and people get tired of it. So at some point you're gonna have to transition and go from being a kid to going into a real business. Mm -hmm. And I would say Mr. Beast is probably the number one inspiration for me. I listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't know if you I listened to that, that one. I hear that, no. How good you was it? You gotta listen to that one. It is mind-blowing. Really? How smart how meticulous, how much time he's put into his craft. That podcast blew me I'll away. check it out. I'll listen. You have to listen. Listen to the whole thing. You won't be able to stop listening once no. you start listening to it. And, I mean, even I, someone sent me something yesterday of him on a podcast, and he told the host, he was like, someone offered me a billion dollars for my business, for my entire business, for all my businesses, for my channels, everything, a billion dollars. And he said, wow. I've worked way too hard. I've put way too much time to work for someone else, to sell my soul, and I'm just going to keep growing. And But I think at some point he'll be worth more money than that with the way that he's going. Yeah. I mean, his power is like, I don't, I don't know if we've, he's like Kardashian-esque. His power is insane. Yeah, and his, you were creator, so you appreciate this. I heard him, he was on some YouTube show and he was being interviewed. And they go, he goes, what's your click-through rate on your thumbnails? And this is gonna be super nerdy and 95% of people are gonna well, have no. no idea. But I don't even care, because this is interesting and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they go, I don't know, 5%, like it's pretty good. He goes, that's terrible. And the kid like felt it's like an idiot. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, that means 95% of your people hate it. Hate it. <laughs> and instead of going like, hey, five's a little bit above average, I'm doing What's okay. His? Did you say what his was? He didn't say, no, he didn't say, but I'm sure Probably it's- Probably high. I'm sure it's higher than five. That was one of the things in Joe Rogan's that he talked about was putting time into thumbnails. Yeah. And figuring out what thumb, what makes people click on thumbnails. Yep. You gotta, you gotta listen or watch or whatever, whatever you do, you gotta yeah. listen to it. It's amazing. Talk about, perfecting your craft because that's something to talk about a good transition he did that in the weeds he i've heard him say i'm obsessed with it i want to know every single part of the business from the tiniest thing about what makes a thumbnail hit to whatever what however are you mastering your craft of being a host like what did you what natural talents did you have and what do you have to develop and how are you doing that so there's a, there's a wide variety of ways that I do this. Okay. One of them being, like I mentioned, through friendships and, and networks, I've been able to create these friendships over time with people that I've met with at different networks, whether it's NBC, NBA, ESPN. I've met a lot of people along the way. And what I've done is keep these friendships, mainly for the fact that they're actual friends, but also when I have my e-car show come out, I send it to people and I say, what do you see? What do you dislike? What do I need to do better? Wow. And I have probably now four or five people that I really trust and respect that I send it to and say, please give me feedback. Mm -hmm. And I'll go back and I'll fix it and I'll point it out. Um, another thing is just homework. Uh, a lot of watching, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I turn on Ryan and Kelly or... Real you know, fortune still or no? No, You're no, over no, that? No, no, no more prices, right. <laughs> um, you know, the Cordons, the Fallons, I watch a lot of those. I watch a lot of the Netflix, the Chef's Table, the ones where people are actually hosting shows. Um, and so that allows me to learn what works, what doesn't work, what are they doing that I like, what are they doing? You know, you need to have your own way also. Of so course. I think keeping my own style, but learning from others. Mm -hmm. What? So how did you get the e-show? How'd that come about? So pretty crazy story. It was actually through a relationship that I got my first audition at E! And it was for a show that they were doing, a, uh, an original show that they were creating, and I went out for an audition, and 
had to do my research and learned everything. And I thought that I was great on camera and the feedback was different. It was, you know, <laughs> you, looked, you looked a little too young up there. And, yeah. You know, the E audience is a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So, and I have a young face. So for, yeah. for broadcast, it was a little too young. And there were some other things that she pointed out. Anyway, didn't end up getting that role. Um, she contacted me a little while later for a digital project, which was this show at the time. And she said, we have this new project coming. Would love to see what you're like on camera. Can you give me something on camera? Mm-hmm. So again, like we talked about before, instead of just doing some BS little project, I went out and created a full pilot with uh, a friend of mine. And this is kind of where you know we started. We've done stuff in the past, but this is really where we were like, okay, this is the production company aspect. Mm-hmm. Went out and created a full pilot with an influencer friend of mine, Carter Share. I don't know, yeah. a big YouTuber. Yep. And sent them the pilot and they loved it. They were like, not only do we want you to host it, but we also want you to produce it. So we're wow. also production on that show. And that's how it all came about. So now you have your own production company too? Yeah. How many LLCs do you have? <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's, how many ballparks? That's expensive alone. Oh, there's probably like the five, California taxes. Like five now. It's expensive. Oh yeah, to the open licenses, them and bank accounts, and oh yeah, like shit. I'm over it. Over <laughs> it. <laughs> but how many do you think you have? Probably like five or six at this point. Okay. Yeah. What's yeah. the goal to have like a conglomerate of twenty or what? Yeah. Or you... I mean, listen, I, I'm at the point where I'm I'm just growing everything at this point. Okay. And it's the same thing with the DJing, like. You know, it's it's working really well right now. We're playing all the hottest clubs in LA. That's not the goal for us. The goal is to put out music and yeah. to see where the music goes. But we're just building, and and I try to keep my focus on that all the time. It's like every day, just working towards you know, DJing, hosting, real estate. Every day, we're working towards getting better in this aspect. And I truly think when you put that work in, you put that effort in that good opportunities come your way you know it's funny i have a tattoo i have a couple but it's on this one kaizen so it's a japanese word that means continuous improvement love that and it's just what you talked about um people see changes that people go through and they go oh wow that happened overnight but no the real you know serious changes or transitions that you go through it's all about making a little progress every day. Every right. day getting a little better. Continuous improvement. You got better than the day before. You still got a long way to go. You still suck, right? But you oh, yeah. suck a little less than oh, yeah. you did yesterday, right. right? I mean, I look at athletes a lot and you see a lot of successful athletes turned entrepreneurs. What do you, is, is there a reason you think it's the discipline from having to practice? Do you think it's having to be a self-starter and shooting your backyard? Or do you think it's realizing that's how it works is it's not going to happen overnight. I got to have some patience to have a long game. Like I was always curious. You're an athlete. Like, what do you think it is? I think it's a bunch of those points that you mentioned. I think it's the hard work, the dedication. Like you mentioned, nothing happens overnight. You see a lot of obstacles in sports that people don't see on the outside coaches injuries there's a million things that can happen politics grades a lot of politics in sports um and so athletes endure a lot and so i definitely think that's a major component of it but also the relationships that you create over those times i mean as a professional athlete think about the people that you're meeting whether it's business or uh Whatever it might be, you're meeting a ton of new people all the time. And what I've found is mm-hmm. a lot of tech people want to be friends with basketball players. And a lot of basketball players want to be friends with tech people. So they create that synergy and it allows them all to excel. Baron Davis is like one of the best examples. It's funny. Uh, Baron, I love you. You're the worst texter ever. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. He's the worst. Is he really? It's not just me. I thought it was just texter. me, right? I've, my entire life. I've been trying to get Baron on here for like a year. He's very tough to get. He is tough to get a hold of, but he does an amazing he job. That's why I want to talk to the him. The best at it, and I've seen it firsthand. I've known Baron since I was a kid because Baron used oh, to go UCLA. to UCLA and yeah. be at the gym. And Baron has been one of the best people I've ever seen at it. And I've seen it firsthand where successful, crazy successful business people are in the same room as Baron, and they're like googly-eyed over Baron. Yeah. And I'm like, this person probably has, and Baron's made a lot of money, obviously, yeah. but this person probably has 10 times what you've made just because he's made billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And he, all he wants to do is do stuff with you. Yeah. And he's just really good at keeping those, those relationships and building businesses with other people. It's funny, I want to interview Kate Hudson about Fabletics, 
And you know Hollywood and the way these things work. I got about two minutes with Kate, but I got an hour with the CFO right. who no one wants to talk to. Probably made way more money than Kate. <laughs> yeah, it probably has, but you know, not as cool as talking right. to Kate, right? So anyway, we're at this event. All of a sudden I see Baron Davis there. And I go, and he's joking around with Kate and stuff. And I think, in what world does Baron Davis hang with Kate Hudson, right? But both looking back and now knowing and seeing what Baron's done, I'm like, wait a minute, makes total sense. They're entertainers. Athletes are entertainers at the end of the day, right? They're both entertainers and they're both serious entrepreneurs too. So actually they have a lot of things in common. And like we mentioned earlier, Baron's very good at that. I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to go to that event. I'm going to speak on this panel. I'm going to speak on that panel. He's always going to like, you know, the South by Southwest and talking to people there and sitting on panels with people there. He's very good at all that mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe not texting, but <laughs> showing up in person. <laughs> do you see value in that too? Or are you more interested in just the business? Because you could do, you could be like a, I don't even know what the, is there a word for like the celebrity entrepreneur? That's a thing. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, like the entrepreneur who it's not good enough just having a successful business. Like right. I want a million followers on Instagram too. And I want to be speaking at South by Southwest. Does that side interest you at all or? I mean, we look at The Rock, what he's done. You know what the, you know what the best example is? And this was pre-Oscars, but the best example was Will Smith. Yeah. And the reason I give that example is because Will Smith was at one point one of the biggest actors in the world. You know, he was in everything. Yep. And not that he was dying out, but his career was slowing for sure. Yeah, it wasn't course. what it was before. And so what Will Smith realized was, I don't have a social following. And in today's world, it's everything. I mean, we, you know, we chatted with Jason Derulo. A big reason why Jason Derulo is crushing it is because he's massive on social channels. And he collabs with everyone. And he developed a totally new audience who didn't even know right. his hits. Right. Just a young, like... They only know the new hits. That story is a whole interview right. in itself, how right. that happened. Right. But I'm sorry to interrupt you, God. No. And so what Will Smith did was, he's like, I'm going to go out and create a team that follows me around. I'm going to create a content calendar because I have friends that work for his company. I'm going to create a content calendar. I'm going to go out. I'm going to film this five days a week, scheduled something every day. Went from no followers to, I don't know, 50 million followers. And all of a sudden, he's getting major movie roles again. Yeah. And it just goes to show you, if you are putting more money back into your brand, back into what you believe in, which is now social, yeah, it can take you anywhere. Now, let's talk about the flip side of that. Okay? Look at Jada. Okay? Now, Jada... Loved her, great actress, beautiful, used to date Tupac, which is pretty cool. I don't know if people know that, right? All of a sudden, we're hearing about the swinger lifestyle and what they're up to in the bedroom and all this. And I'm like, Jada, it's too much. It's too much. So you could do it successfully like Will and be funny and show your personality. Or you can go the other way and just maybe share too much or trying to up the ante every time like an influencer and then kind of maybe turning your audience off a little bit. I am not a fan of that stuff. What? I think you need to keep the personal, the personal, personal life personal. I think that that is way too much. We don't need to know that. <laughs> and it's very harmful for your own relationships. You have to have a balance of, okay, I'm going to do this for work. and I'm going to do this for my own sanity. Yeah. You have to be able to have your own sanity and to be able to be happy. And I think that is fully crossing the line. How do you do that? So you've got a life that's not on camera. Yeah. How do you be authentic, but without showing... Like, I don't show my kids a lot. Right. Because they didn't sign up to be, you know, on an Instagram story. You know, once in a while, well, because, like, family and friends want to see the kids, right? But I don't ever do a post with them that's going to live on there. And I don't put them in anything. I try to keep that quiet, like... But am I not authentic by doing that? Right. I don't know. So... I run my mom's social, and my mom's oh, you? Okay. got almost 100,000 at this point on social. And That's crazy. Sh- what I've tried to really help her with is, you know, everyone knows her as this successful real estate agent, but the most important thing about her is that she's a real, amazing, genuine, honest person. And I think the way that you help people see that, aside from the real estate side, is to give them a little touch of your personal life, whether that's, you know, we do a little segment where we do 30 seconds with Jade, where I interview her and ask her questions, but that's giving people an insight of like our relationship or like get to know Jade, or I think giving people a little insight, you know, I put my girlfriend on my Instagram sometimes, but not too much just because, you know, when I come home, she's like, basically get off your phone type thing. 
it's like the same way. Just let's spend time together, which is not, it's nice to have that balance. Would, let me ask you this. Would you date a, an influencer girl who wanted you to tag her in every picture? That's a way different kind of relationship. And it's a very, very common relationship here in LA with guys your age. If I dated another like influencer girl yeah. or celebrity girl, I don't know if we would spend any time talking because I feel like I could easily come home and be on my phone and she could easily come home and be on her phone and we would never talk. Yeah. I could not imagine that side. I think it would be too much. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. And cons and girls are always trying to film, you know, like TikToks and stuff at home. I just, I think it would be overkill. I think it'd be too much. Do you think your girlfriend kind of grounds you and isn't Shh. trying to be an influencer? Is that kind of refreshing? No, no. it's amazing. She's a lawyer. She's on her oh, own no path. She's nice. a hustler. She wants to be successful. She's actually very similar in the fact that her dad is a successful lawyer, but she wants to be her own beast, her own boss. Nice. And so she hustles during the day, and it's kind of the same thing. Sometimes she'll do work at night, but it's it's a very good balance because she doesn't care about social whatsoever. That's beautiful. Which is very refreshing. It's very nice to have and a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. So you've built your personal brand. You've transitioned your brand. I always try to get you know advice for the young person watching the aspiring entrepreneur, the aspiring creator out there, two skills that you have. Right. What's a good way to grow on TikTok or Instagram that's not use three hashtags or post 11 right. o'clock on Tuesday right. or any of that right. nonsense? Right. Like where's, because it was easier when you started. You know, I, Less competition. Less, and even yeah. I found this, right? Because I started interviewing TikTokers. Man, it was way easier to grow two years ago than it 100%. is now. I'm like, 100%. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it used to look a lot better. Yeah. Every time I hit notifications, they're less and less. Right. Like, what happened? But what's the real way to have that consistent growth? And Yeah, so I think if you're just starting, I think the number one most important thing is like find your niche. So whatever that niche is, whatever your passion is, you have to find that. So uh, let's say it's cutting hair. Okay. Focus on cutting hair and focus on content of cutting hair that has some sort of like virality to it. Like what's what going to make you different? What's going to make the biggest thing that I think when I post content and I think is important for people when they post content mm -hmm. is what's going to make someone share this video? What's going to make someone send this video to a friend? What's going to make someone that also does hair want to see these posts again? Like what's going to make people come back to your page? I think that's the number one wow. most important thing to think about when you're making content. That is great advice. It's just like that has to be constantly because for the most part, that's what you're chasing. That's what it is. That's what the most, the number one thing that gets you most, the most followers is the sharing portion of it. So what's going to make someone share your content? Yep. And does that go hand in hand with building a community too? 100%. And people are coming back to what they're expecting to come back to. You know, they know what they're coming back for. And I think that is something that you just have to focus on. And it's very easy to like get tired of it and get lost in it. And that was, we had Kane Brown on the car show and Kane Brown said, I was posting, you know, videos of me singing on Facebook forever. And, you know, probably posted two, three, four hundred videos without getting anything. Wow. All of a sudden wakes up one, one day and he's viral. And he's like, if I didn't stick with it, I would not be where I was today. Wow. Crazy. So just keep at it. Just keep at it. Make sure you keep your focus on whatever that passion is and constantly keep in your mind what's going to make people share this video. I think that's outstanding advice. And then on the entrepreneurial side, to the aspiring entrepreneur, the one who, I'm, I'm a self-starter too, so I don't always relate to this either, but the one who there's self-doubt and they're afraid to even get started. Like, how, do you have any motivation for them to kind of get overcome their fears and give it a shot and not worry about them? Yeah, I think, again, I think it kind of falls along the lines of, of passion. It's like kind of what's your passion, but find something that you find is a need in the world, whatever that might be in your daily life. Let's say it's, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a t-shirt that's not soft enough. Go make that t-shirt, make a sample, sell 10 of them. You sell 10 of them, sell 100 of them. You sell 100 of them, sell 1,000 of them. But make that money and invest that money back into your brand. Find the need, go out, do it, sell it to your friends, sell it to your family, and continue to grow from there. 
I've heard it over and over again from successful entrepreneurs. Right. You're right. You got to fill a need first. Got to do it. Right. You can't fig- make the product and figure out the need later. Right. It doesn't work that way. No. What else are you promoting, man? Uh, we got the car show. We got the car show. You mentioned it about a hundred times. See? I'm doing my job. Yeah. Where, where can we see this said car show? E? Uh, it's on the E! News YouTube channel. Okay. Um, couple projects in the works that can't quite talk about. There's a big project that we're working on um, with my family that has been we've been working on for a long time. Oh, cool. Um, have a big network involved. And it's been a process, but we're heading in the right direction. Um, music, we are DJs in LA, so just follow Mills and Rello on Instagram. You can follow our DJ account, see where we're spinning. And we're going to have music coming out within the next couple months, which will be fun. Nice. Um, I think that's another one of those things where it's kind of like you just got to put it out there and reach out to your friends that are in those spaces and see if they can help you and support you. Um, And, yeah, I have a bunch of basketball Instagram pages that are now in our network that you guys can follow. Swished, uh, Baller Media, The Baller Media. I'll bore you guys with all the with all the stuff I have going on, but now <laughs> yeah, we'll include all the links in the description too, so you can just click on them and go visit them and so support them. If you guys them. need to buy a house in LA, let us know. <laughs> yeah, you can sell them a house. You can right. do trick shots on the basketball right. court there. 100%. You can DJ their first house party. You can provide a lot of services exactly. for the person exactly. out there. And if you need to raise money, I can also help you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. It was I a pleasure it. talking yeah, to you. This awesome. was fun. Yeah, Guys, yeah. thank you so much for watching. Subscribe, turn on notifications. If you like the video, we do new interviews every Tuesday at 10 a.m. with the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And we do a diverse group of entrepreneurs. We'll do startup founders. Then we'll do, say, Paris Hilton. Then we'll do Austin. I've got Rich the Kid next Love month. That. Hell yeah. You know, why not? Rich Hell the Kid's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, let's do Rich the Kid talk about nfts wow i'm so curious yeah so that's what you'll get you never know what you'll get every tuesday at 10 a.m thanks guys peace